Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Like my approach personally is to look at, and I, I think it's very relative to fundamental analysis, just patience and whatever, but like looking at a systematic trading strategy across yes. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years and saying, okay, does this strategy generally play out over 15, 20 years? Not that it's going to play out the exact same way, but like, are the conditions, the you know requirements, the markets still generally the same such that this strategy should play out moving forward? And if it does, I don't want to go through the day-to-day -day operations of having to reconfirm that to myself every time I make a trade. I just want a bot to do that for me mm -hmm. so I can look for other strategies that I can start trading as well. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, we have a special lesson for you. I'm putting it here on the podcast because I really believe that this is going to provide you massive, massive value. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And hey, listen, if this podcast was useful to you at all, I really highly suggest that you go check out the full trading course at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, I have a special guest online, Kirk Duplessis. Uh, Kirk and I actually go back a few years, and this is the second time that I've had him on the show. Um, and we're going to be talking about kind of the new age of trading. And, and Kirk, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it, it, it's been uh, well. By the time people listen to this, it's going to have changed a lot. But there's been a lot of volatility coming through in the markets right now, and um, you know who who knows how long that's going to last. But there's something interesting that you guys have been working on, which I I'm really into. I think it's going to be the wave of the future. Tell us more about the bots. I see it on your shirt there, so I know it's on top of your mind. Tell us about the bots there. Every day. Well, first of all, I have like 10 of these shirts. So I just like keep wearing them like constantly over and over again. So yeah. everyone sees me and they're like, do you have the same shirt? No, it's like 10 different shirts that I have. Listen, here, have here's a trick that I learned from Shark Tank. I wear the exact same jacket and shirt every time I do a podcast because you can actually like cl take clips and put it into whatever episode and nobody exactly. knows the difference, right? So exactly. yeah, I, I brilliant. I, I should wash mine more often. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we built out an auto trading platform. Um, and I think I talked about it actually the last time I was mm -hmm. on the show and we we're going to be rolling it out. We started rolling it out. We've got a bunch of beta users in there that are using it and starting to build bots. They're going crazy building bots and automations and sharing templates. The idea that we had a number of years ago was this concept around just automating what we do in trading. Mm. And so I think the, the struggle for sure has been that I think the people have been used to the idea of having an automated system and looking for something that, you know, is like totally wrapped up in a box and performs perfectly or whatever. Right. And what we've had to try to teach people is that what we want our auto trading platform to do is just replace what you do manually right now. 
This could be end-to-end -end automation, and it definitely can do that. It also could be components of what you do in trading, right? Like if you want to just find all the trades, but you want a bot to manage all the positions once you get into it, it can do that as well. So we built out a complete auto trading platform that requires absolutely no code. We gave everyone the ability to add decisions and actions to their bots, create cloning. And I think one of the most and crazy things and already in the community with people sharing ideas is the ability to wrap up your bot or your template or your automation and share it into the community in a message. You can share it in a private message, group message, public post if you want to. I think this is going to be the wave of the future for sure, because the ability to receive templates from somebody and then tweak them to your specifications and then let them run instantly is just mind blowing that nobody has done it before. But uh, so that's where we're at. I love that idea of being able to to share the templates. That that's really really cool. So does it do any kind of back testing ahead of time, or is it just like you need to have your strategy all set up and then click the buttons to make it run? Yeah. So there's a couple things that we built inside the platform. So we did build our own back tester. Mm -hmm. Back tester is historical looking, right? So the the trick with back testing is like back testing is always backwards looking, right? Because we have to pull the data, and in many cases, a lot of the data is hard to get, or it's at least really hard to clean. So there's a lot of services that provide data, and like we buy data in chunks and batches. But then you have to like clean the data and make sure that it's good. There's no missing strikes or missing expirations. And oddly enough, there's a lot of bad data out there that oh. we have to. So we built the ability to backtest a bunch of different strategies. And it's fairly limited in the sense that you can't do minute data because a lot of it's not even available. Or if it is, it's insanely expensive. So you can use backtesting as a means to kind of check to make sure you're in the right ballpark, right? You can test a bunch of option strategies. You can test all kinds of deltas and profit taking and expirations. Mm. One of the things that we built into our backtester was the ability to test multiple portfolio allocations. So say you wanted to do an iron condor strategy, well, you could test the same strategy strategy with different capital allocation structures. So 1% per trade without going over 5% in total allocation or 10% per trade or 15% per trade, whatever it is. That's been insanely interesting to see how the exact same strategy with different allocations performs. And in many cases, you can see like where that optimization point is of allocating capital to a certain strategy. The ability then to take that back test and then create a bot is actually not that difficult. So you just take the back test that you have, you just spin up basically a brand new bot. We're going to try to make that connection a little bit more seamless as we go forward this year. Uh, but then you can build a bot based on that back test or even tweak a bot based on that back test and then start running that strategy automated in the future. And that's really where I think this whole industry should be going. I think most people are generally there. They're doing it manually. They run a strategy that they have in their mind or that they've back tested or that they use or they use from a model. But it's the whole point, click, you know, manage the position, watch what's going on that I think that everyone gets caught up in. And, uh, and unfortunately, it, it means that we are less effective, more emotional. It means that we can't scale our strategies. Like even if you wanted to do a day trading strategy or a long-term strategy, how do you manage all these strategies and like juggling all these balls in the air? Mm -hmm. um, I think that this whole thing just opens up a, a brand new era for traders to do a lot more, you know, trading and do it more systematic versus more emotional. I am all about the systematizing of trading. I think that that is the wave of the future. Um, personally, I use uh, a spreadsheet and in the spreadsheet, it's got a lot of formulas, a lot of information going on in there. So I can drop in, you know, a stock symbol. It's going to tell me, um, you know, where the moving average line that I want to see is at. And then I can go and look on charts and make sure that it's hitting where it should be kind of deal. Um, so I'm really reliant on a lot of data. And I think that anybody who isn't relying on data is um, 
if they haven't blown up yet, they they should it's plan hard. to. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, discretionary. It, it's like, oh, I feel like buying this today. Well, what yep. are you basing that on? And you know, some of the the biggest traders in in history, like William O'Neill, um, people like like Mark Minervini. I've talked to Mark before in the past. Um, where I break down, listening to them, learning from them. There's a lot to learn from them. But where they talk about, you know, drawing lines on screens, drawing a cup with a handle, drawing a base, drawing, um, Mark Minervini has what he calls the uh, volatility contraction pattern, where it literally is a squiggly line. And like, I'm glad that works for them, but my brain is not artistic enough yeah. to understand the, yeah. the, the, the shape of these bear flags and bull pennants and things like that for me. I, le- I, I am, I'm such an analyst. I, I've worked in corporate finance. Like it's all about the numbers to me. If it's above a trend line, I can clearly see prices a uh, hundred. The trend line is 98. As long as it's above the trend line, it's in a trend that's easy enough to see. And if it breaks down that trend line, then the trend is broken and it's time to move on. Right. So, I mean, we're all at the end of the day, trying to catch a trend one way or another, if we're going long or if we're going short, we're trying to catch into that trend. It's just the, the, the means of getting there varies a lot. And, and personally for me, I've got to have numbers. I mean, I couldn't draw <laughs> anything on a screen to save my life. Me too. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because there's so much discretion that goes into trading. Um, I, I think that that's been one of the hard, harder things for people coming into the beta program and starting to trade is like, and I've told people from the beginning, this is going to be the case where you come in and like, you have to figure out what that process is for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and the beautiful thing about bots and the way that we built them is that process could be really varied, right? Like there's no one single path that a bot has to take. You can let the bot make decisions at every step and say, you know, if this happens, then do this or this, if that Mm -hmm. happens or this happens, do this or this, but you do have to think out that process and know when you're going to exit and what criteria could be used for, you know, re-entry or allocating more capital to it. Uh, and I think that that side is tough because traders, to a certain degree, I think most traders like the discretionary, uh, like the, you know, the kind of gunslinging, like come into a day and just see what we can trade and hopefully something works, right? But we all know that a more systematic, mechanical, automated approach is naturally better. And it allows you to elevate yourself out of the mundane day-to-day activities of clicking and looking for every trade, checking volatility, checking open interest, whatever the things are that you do so that you can elevate yourself from the repetitive tasks and actually focus on the strategic part, which I think is really, really exciting. I advocate only trading um, two times in the day. I like to trade about an hour after the market opens where like things have settled down. We're not like trying to catch all the day trader moves and things like that. And then the last 30 minutes to the hour uh, of of the trading day, Uh, I find that for me, those are the most opportune times. And in fact, um, my my strategy only involves closing in the last hour of the day because I've seen it and you've seen it too, right? When a stock is drifting along and it like in the middle of the day gets all heated, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's still above your trend line. That's really where you want it to be. So so for me, exiting signals are really just end of day signals. Um, Would a bot be able to take that into consideration? Because I know like like with, with borders, you can't do that, right? You can't put in a, uh, if it goes below 99.50, but only after 2.30 p.m. Central time, do I want you to close, right? Like if you're putting an order in your broker, it's like if it goes below 99.50, even if it's 
you know, 10 minutes after the market opens and it just bounces after that point. Sure. Yeah. It's, that's super easy. So there's two okay. things that we did. Yeah. Those are super easy. And actually like the fact that you said like, if that's a difficult part, like wait till you see some of the things you can do in there. So yeah, there's two things that we did. One, you can add automations that repetitively go throughout the day. So right now they go every 15 minutes. We're going to start scaling them to the point in which they go every five or every one minute, but you can go every 15 minutes and just continuously look for things, right? So like for me, for example, with some of the trading that I do, I'm constantly letting those automations run, those mm -hmm. scanners and monitors run, because as soon as the criteria is hit, I want to get in or out of a position. Right. So if I'm looking for, let's say, an entry for a position, I've got minimum requirements for liquidity, for open interest, for volume, for bid ask spread. And it's checking those every 15 minutes. Like whatever those opportunities are, it's rechecking. Like, do I have an opportunity? Do I have an opportunity? Do I have an opportunity? Mm -hmm. And only if it is, then it's entering. Same thing on exit. I wanted to check all the time. I wanted to check for profit taking, for stop loss levels, you know, whatever I want to use for those particular strategies and check it all the time. So that's continuous automations. And I think for the most part, people use those because that's what they want. They want that continuous check where they don't have to do it themselves. In your case, if you say, look, I know I want to do it on this set schedule. Great. You can let your automations run on a set schedule. You can uh, say okay. every day, every day at three o'clock, every day at four o'clock, every day at um, you know, 2.30 and 4 o'clock, every other Thursday or every Wednesday or every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because I hate Thursdays and Fridays, mm -hmm. whatever schedule it is that you want, you can set the automations to run on that schedule. I think what people are finding though, is that when they have a set of criteria, like what you have, using that set of criteria and then just letting the bot continuously monitor the market is sometimes better. So like, a lot of things that we do in the mar market open is, you know, we have bots that check for liquidity requirements and bid ask spread requirements. So even though the bot is running early in the morning, it's got to meet some certain liquidity thresholds, which would generally allow for that, you know, kind of market activity to present itself and for liquidity to flow in before a bot would ever make a trade. Right. So uh, super, super fun stuff. So yeah, super, that's interesting. Cause like for me, I have a, like, you know, a checklist, right. You know, first is the market. Okay. Let me ask you this. So yep. for me, like I start top down, right? Is the market bullish? Can you integrate that? Like, let's say I want to trade ExxonMobil, which is something I've been trading over the last week. Um, is is the the S&P 500, is that bullish? Can we, can we determine that before we go to the next step? Of course. Is Super. the oil, uh, or not oil, energy sector, is that bullish? Is there a way to check that? Whatever ticker you use for the energy sector. like if Yeah, it's XLE, so let's say XLE, because that, that's how I do it. Yep, for okay. sure. And then you can say, so the market's bullish, XLE's bullish. Um, can you can you then screen? Can you say of like Chevron, ExxonMobil, Phillips 66, and Murphy Oil? Can you can you screen those or does it have to say only ExxonMobil if it occurs in this thing? Yep. So what you would do is you would build out an automation for each one of those tickers that you have. So and it has like a, a, a sequence. You can a do it like that. Yep. Ah. And then you tell the bot, you say the bot to the bot, like, Hey, I want you to check these five tickers, right? Mm -hmm. And you can just clone your automations really easy. So you build out whatever logic you want to use for every single one. Then you just create a clone of them, right? It's just one click to be like, clone it, re-enter a new ticker. So like now use this logic on this ticker and that ticker and that ticker. And then you put all of those into a bot. And for example, mm -hmm. what a lot of people do is they say, look, I want to look at these five things, but I want to make one trade. And then you tell the bot, Hey bot, you scan these and make one trade. That's it. Mm -hmm. Like don't make five 
or you tell the bot make three of five or all five of five are possible or limit it and say, I want to make one trade per ticker. And you tell the bot like limit it to one position per ticker that I have or one type of position. So you can do all of that for sure. Oh, that's cool. I, I really like that. Cause this is like, that's literally how my mind works. Right. It's like, yep. um, what, what do you call it? Like, uh, like, uh, an ocean analogy, right? Is the tide up? Yes. Is there a wave? Yes. Is the wave, um, having, I don't know, I don't know enough about oceans. I live in Texas, so, <laughs> but that's, that's the way I think about it. Well, I do too. And like, so one of the templates I shared in the community last week was uh, a template called trendy short put, uh, short put spread. And so the idea for this template actually came from our community for backtesting. So everybody can, uh, so like you go in there and backtest, you backtest your strategies, but you can also see the top backtests that are run like across the entire community. So if somebody happened to run a good backtest and it came up with some good results, you can see what those results. It's like a scoreboard. Are. Yeah, like a scoreboard leaderboard. Hey, that's cool. Board. Yeah, so like you can kind of see like, oh, this is the top backtest that was run, or this is the top style of backtest for this particular strategy. So I found one in there that was a short put spread, and it was using weekly expirations, which I don't typically use. It's a and lot I do, weekend. which is interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot of headache for me, uh -huh. right? Like I'm more of a monthly trader, but. I like using weekly positions if I don't have to manage it and I can let a bot do it. Mm -hmm. So the short put spread uh, and the back test looked pretty good, except for the fact that they didn't overlay a, uh, like a trend, like a 200 day moving average or even something very simple like that. Oh, okay. So I thought about, okay, how can I combine this strategy, the repetitive entry of short put spreads on a weekly contract with a, some sort of trend indicator, like a 200 day moving average. And so now what my bot does is it first checks to see if, any of the tickers I'm trading are still in an uptrend. So over the 200 day moving average as very simple, like double check verification validation, if you want to call it before I get into a position, I also check the VIX level. I check volatility and open interest. And only if all of those things are appropriate, bid ask spread, et cetera, then I enter the position and I do it every week, one position at a time for each ticker. So I don't overlap positions and I just let it go. And then I can set up an automation to let it monitor that position automatically for me. So I can take profits, use a new thing that we have called smart stops, which is an industry first. Um, and then also see if it's close to expiration or in the money. And so like if it's close to expiration or if it's in the money on expiration day, I can have the bot exit the position. So I don't have to worry about assignment. Like all of those mundane things that we do naturally that we you know, rake our heads. We have to learn to do as traders. Just yeah. let it go. Yeah. And you just can let it, let a bot do what it does best, which is just watch, monitor and take action on things that you tell it to do. Does that make sense? It makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Especially when you come from like an analytical perspective of if this happens, then that, right. It's not ever a, well, maybe, right. I listen, I've learned a, a lot of expensive lessons with maybes, right. So whenever, whenever I get my signal in there, enter or exit, I am like, I'm, I'm, I'm Johnny on the spot. I'm making things happen right away. Right. So let me ask you this, right. It took me, um, probably about four years of losing before I was like, maybe there's something I need to learn differently. Right. And I started changing things up and I started learning more from other sources. And there are some people out in the world that'll say that trends don't exist. You don't have to trade with trends. Option deltas are all you'll ever need. I'm not in that camp. I used to be. But the more that I've learned, the more market wizards that I've learned from, the more people I've had on the podcast, which I got to say, being able to chat with you, one of the, the pleasures of the podcast is being able to, to network with people that 
would have been unattainable, right? I've I've said this to several people on the show. It's so funny. The doors that a podcast would open because it's like, hey, Kurt, can I come, you know, shoot the shit with you for half an hour today? I'd be like, no, I am a busy man. I do not have time to be talking nonsense with you. So the podcast has been wonderful. And on that topic, being able to hear guests in different perspectives has really opened my mind. So then when I started looking at trends and finding ways to backtest things, not just saying, 25 Delta, 75% of the time, you're good to go, right? Yep. That that was a real monumental change for me. How does that in in and especially because you have uh, you know, the the bots and everything that are working with trend lines, things like that. How does that come into your trading? I'm just curious. Because you just mentioned yeah. a minute ago with the 200 day, just adding that on is something simple. Yeah, I th- I think you know it's interesting. Like I've gravitated more towards the idea. I mean, like there's two things we know. Like one, that trend is is a thing, like mm-hmm. it's an actual tool that you can use. Um, and in many cases, trend, when you look at it from a stock perspective, right? Um, and of course, like bots can trade stocks and options, either one, interchangeably together, same time, different if you want to. If you were trading just stocks, trend usually doesn't help for outperformance outright in the sense that it's going to create all this like additional upside. What I've seen research on, and usually what trend does, is it helps reduce some of the sting of downside, which then as a result, creates better performance, right? Because you, when the market has a drawdown and you don't participate in that full drawdown and then you jump back in, now you're ahead of where you you should have been, right? So, so it helps more on the drawdown side or kind of avoiding really bad situations. I think that using some sort of trend and some of the things that you're doing, especially if you're doing more mechanical systematic strategies, um, and you could use trend, you could use VIX levels if you want to, like some type of macro indicator to tell you where you are in the cycle, I think is incredibly important. And I've always told people, you know, like what they should do is just use it as a, like a double check and reference for positions. What I would do naturally before this, when I was doing everything manually is I would do this in my mind. Like I knew if the market was above its 200 day moving average, right? I didn't have to have a bot check for me, but now that I'm going to offload all that to the bot, I want the bot to check that specifically. And so I think that people should use whatever indicators they want for trend or momentum or range in a cycle. You can use probability ranges, you can use support and resistance levels, and you can tell the bots like, this is support, this is resistance, here are the levels I want you to check. Like just tell the bot what to do so that you can start looking at and analyzing other strategies you can add, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Kirk, um, uh, I've set a goal for myself this year. It's to read 50 nonfiction books and 50 fiction books, but that also includes audiobooks. I, uh, I'm a huge audiobook, audiobook file, if that's a thing. Uh-huh. But um, right now, I'm in like my stack of trading books, rereading all those. And one thing that keeps coming up over and over is the debate on fundamentals. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was in my MBA program. So when I was in college, I was like, what's the easiest degree to get? And my mom, who's an accountant, she was like, business. And I was like, deal, which, because then there's like subgroups of business, right? Which is the the subgroup of business that requires the least amount of hours? <laughs> and it was management. And I was like, perfect. That's where I'm going to be. So, so I'm taking my, my undergrad classes and, and I'm, I'm doing the business thing. And every time I have a finance class, I'm like, like enamored with it. Like, this is where I want to be kind of thing. Like, I didn't care about accounting. Who cares about debits and credits? But like the, the idea of, of trading and forecasting and, and making money, that's where I was at. In fact, my father-in-law, before he passed away, um, 
he he just side note he told me he was like chris that was really smart of you to to go into finance because the closer you get to the money the more money you make i was like i guess those are some pretty wise words but either way so when i was on my uh my mba where we were put in this this class where we uh managed a fund and you know every week somebody brought their trade idea to the table with you know x amount of fundamental reasons earnings per shares and earnings gross and 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 10ks and and all this like fundamental stuff but as an actual trader i've literally never not once ever <laughs> opened up any kind of fundamental analysis to take a look at that what's your perspective on that I mean, I think you know where I stand on that in the sense that, you know, just from like history, and I know we go back and forth on this. Well, it's fun to have the conversation. Oh, I know. No, yeah. I love it because here's the thing, right? So, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of things that are wrapped up in this, right? Right. One is that all the fundamentals in the world mean nothing inside of maybe two years or even five years in some cases, right? You could have fundamentally the best company, the best industry, the best sector, and it just takes time for those fundamentals to play out and then be priced in, right? Mm -hmm. Because what people are not doing is they're not pricing in what has happened right now. It's their expectation of what's going to happen moving forward. And so the difference, and this is a, a interesting correlation back to options trading in a second, the difference between somebody's expectation and then the reality of what happens is lots of volatility in the process and a big, you know, waiting period and patience and understanding and, you know, all the things that we need to learn as traders. When it comes to fundamental analysis, yes, I think that some level of fundamental analysis is important if your time horizon for a particular entry is long enough. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think that if you have all the best fundamental analysis completed in the world and you know all of the growth rates and all the expected growth rates and all the forward-looking forecast stuff is going to help you if something switches like that, right? right? Pandemic came March of last year. All the fundamental analysis for five years, 10 years out went out the window, right? Like things happen much faster and could happen much faster on a shorter time period. So as a trader, me personally, all that fundamental analysis is great. I should definitely keep my head above water and I should know generally where we're at in long-term trends and cycles and CAPE ratios and whatever. But like that stuff is meaningless to my day-to-day -day trading mm -hmm. activities because what's more important there is, am I balanced? Do I have the right risk? You know, like uh, risk profile on for my positions? Am I over-allocated, under-allocated? Am I trading the right diversity of tickers? Like that's going to protect me way more than knowing if you know, the PE ratio, you know, 10 years out for this particular stock is above average or below average, whatever it is. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, like uh, what I couldn't, I couldn't tell you who it was, but I remember listening to one of the market wizards books by Jack Schwager. And uh, one of them on there was like, I am purely fundamental. I do no technicals, whatever. And he's like, so if this, you know, let's call it a stock, I think it was a commodity, but let's say oil's going down. You're just going to buy it because you think it's bullish. And he's like, yes. And I'm like, that is such a recipe for failure. I've been there. Kirk, I blew up my account twice. The second time I blew it up was because I wanted to say the gold was going up when gold right. was like falling to zero. <laughs> and like, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine taking the, the fundamental only perspective because I mean, I suppose if you're Warren Buffett with 80 years of, of uh, lead time on taking your profits, then, then sure, buy whatever. But I don't have that that luxury. I'm not going to claim to have that luxury. And I, I would like to make money sooner than later. So yeah, I think that, I mean, the fundamental approach for sure works like value investing works 
on a long enough time period, right? Like right now, the last call it 10, 20 years, like value has sucked and has underperformed growth and everything else, right? And naturally it has, but like it'll shift, you know, could shift back and may shift back in the future. I'm sure it will at some point, but those time horizons that you have to wait for those things to play out, like you said, sometimes are just too long. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like my approach personally is to look at, and I, I think it's very relative to fundamental analysis, just patience and whatever, but like looking at a systematic trading strategy across yes. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years and saying, okay, does this strategy generally play out over 15, 20 years? Not that it's going to play out the exact same way, but like, are the conditions, the you know requirements, the markets still generally the same such that this strategy should play out moving forward? And if it does, I don't want to go through the day-to-day operations of having to reconfirm that to myself every time I make a trade. I just want a bot to do that for me mm-hmm. so I can look for other strategies that I can start trading as well. So... What do you think about dividends? Are you a dividend stock guy? No, no, I'm not either. No. A, a lot of people, especially on the YouTubes, really like to push the idea of, hey, buy dividend stocks. That's where everything's at, bro. But I, I think that goes. Yeah, I mean, dividend, I've seen a lot of research and I, I would agree that this, that like generally high dividend paying companies underperform companies that don't pay dividends and are just high growth. And you can get more value accretively through the share price rising and then just selling off portions of your shares if you want to. Yeah, for sure. You know, when, when people ask me where to start, one of my, going back to dividends here, one of my go-tos for them is I, I like to tell them, buy, buy a dividend stock that you can sell calls on. Mm-hmm. And as the stock appreciates, make sure it's like, obviously not like a, a crappy stock that has no value. But as the stock appreciates, this is what I call the triple stock profit system. You've got the dividends that you can earn, you've got the calls that you can sell, and you've got the uh, the price movement, hopefully, going in your favor. So that's where I tell people where to start, right? Just just plain and simple. You've never traded before. My friend Richard, he was uh, looking to get into to trading because, you know, like trading's become like in favor okay. right now, which is pretty cool. I'm happy about that. Yep. Um, I was talking to Tom Sosnoff a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he and I were were talking about how how wonderful it is actually that game or GameStop. I was about to say GME. That's not it. GME GameStop uh, happened because um, I mean it brought millions of people into yep. our world. Right? That's yep. millions more dollars in liquidity, billions of more dollars of liquidity, more people who are interested in learning about bots, learning about how to trade, listening to podcasts. Yeah, should be, be, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where I tell people where to start is is a very simple, you understand the concept of buying a stock, but we're never going to talk about shorting stocks. You understand the, the concept of buying a stock. You understand the concept of a dividend. Let's add one little tiny layer of selling a call. And then you know what? You have entered into the world of real stock and options trading. And this is what people have done for, for decades at this point. And it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a way to get into the market, get your feet wet and potentially make three different avenues of, uh, of income from that. Well, maybe not income, but of appreciation from that. What's, what's your thought there for a beginner? Where would you say it to start? hundred percent. I'd like, I, we wrote a book called mastering the covered call, which talks about um, like the one hour. I it's the one hour strategy. And I was one hour is probably being overly zealous in the fact that like, it's probably, you have to walk to the library using dialogue, (laughs) right? I mean, it takes probably before bots, like took you like two minutes to do a covered call. Now you don't even have to do it. You could automate that whole process. 
But the idea around reducing the cost basis in stock ownership by selling a call option above where the stock is trading or some level above where the stock is trading as a means to increase your probability of success, reduce volatility, like is genius. It's exactly what people should be doing. I've always thought that the reason that people don't do it is A, they don't understand it, which is hurdle number one, just like having to understand what to do. But then B is like the actual process of doing it is cumbersome to a certain degree if you don't understand how to do it. You got to log into your broker, choose the expiration. What do you do with it? If it the stock continues to go up and you get a sign, now you don't have the shares anymore. Like, can you avoid that? Can you try to get out of that? Like, there's a lot of complexities that go on the back end of that. And so most people just go, eh, well, okay, forget it. Like, I won't do yeah. it, right? When they know that something that takes two minutes of your time or zero minutes now of your time can help you so much more in the future. I would even say that trend is a very good example. It's like if people were using a trend strategy, even just like a 200 day moving average for all intents and purposes, they would have completely missed the March drawdown, right? Like, but they weren't right. And then they just throw up their hands and go, Oh, the market crashed. Well, like you could have had something that would have prevented that. You could have mm-hmm. watched it yourself or had a bot do it and, you know, manage your whole portfolio that way. So I think this whole movement that people are on right now, and we've seen for the last call it five or 10 years, this wanting to understand more about the markets, wanting to understand more about finance, stocks, and options, and how they can use strategies to protect themselves, to increase their probability of success, hopefully increase the return that they have. Like, I think it's all great. And I think as long as it's, as long as it's pushed in the direction of like education and learning and trying to understand things versus the gamification of it, the better. Hmm. I don't know. I like the gamification of it. I, uh, I half a percent of your account but like me like i don't do that oh no, no no i don't mean like gambling like i i don't i don't play that actually i uh i did an interview with uh cheddar cheddar tv and um it was right when the gamestop thing was happening and i actually had somebody ask me one day they were like chris why do you trade and like in a philosophical way and i had to sit and think for a minute and i was like it's not about the money to me it's about the game i enjoy yeah. playing the game like yes, it, it, that's it's, the gamification hundred percent. I totally yeah. agree. I think everybody's on the same page. Like we don't do this because we like, we could obviously be doing other things. Like it is the game for me for sure. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's where the most successful people in trading come because they, they look at it like a puzzle or a chess game or something like that. Right. It's, it's something to, to learn, to figure out and adjust in real time. It's yep. not, this is, you know, I'm going to buy Apple stock and it will only go up because it's Apple. I'm going to buy Tesla stock. It will only go up because it's Tesla. And, you know, when, when, uh, when you hear people who have been holding on to something like Tesla, I heard about somebody who bought it. I don't know, I guess it must've been eight years ago or something. And they're, you know, a a 13 millionaire from a thousand dollars. That doesn't happen all that often, Kirk. And, and you see so many things like the Motley Fool recommends this stock that, you know, <laughs> if it were Amazon, it'd be your $1,000 would be worth $2.9 million. It doesn't work that way. I mean, you're never going to sit and hold through the 50% drawdowns that are going to happen over time. Six times. Oh, at least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, yeah, I, I think that's always fascinating because I mean, look, hindsight is always 2020, right? Like, could we all have made a million dollars like buying Amazon and Tesla and all these companies or, you know, even like now, like Bitcoin, when it first came out, like, of course we could have done it, right? But we would have been absolute insane lunatics for watching our capital go from, you know, up whatever it was to 80% drawdowns multiple times. People cannot hold through those situations. Mm -hmm. The rare instances where somebody does 
I think was more luck than naturally skill. So what is your opinion? Because, you know, talking about the asymmetry of potentially a, a, a rewarding scenario looks like a long call position, right? You're going to limit your losses. You're going to let your profits run kind of deal, um, which is the opposite of selling puts, right? Right. It's the opposite of covered calls. Exactly. What's your opinion on buying options? And I'll give you mine after yours. Yeah. I mean, look, statistically, the numbers are not in your favor in the sense that you have to get a bunch of things right in order for it to work out. If you get those things right, and if you have enough capital to last through the long periods where you're wrong, mm -hmm. then of course, there are strategies that work out that do really, really well. I think that there are people who have skills. Let's call them like trading skills, right? The Peter with a Z, skills with a Z. Right. Yeah, yeah. Skills that's when it's cool. Yeah, it is. So like there are people <laughs> who have trading skills. Like I do not have like the graphical charting, chart patterns. Like I don't have that skill. Like I can mm -hmm. recognize them, but like to draw the exact perfect line and be very subjective about it, I don't have that skill. But there are people who have those skills and I think it, it does work better for them. For the person who's like me, who doesn't have those skills and needs to be more systematic and, you know, like disciplined and data-driven, I think that buying options or going long securities is tough as an outright move. You got to get the move right and the magnitude of the move, which is incredibly hard. And then you got to get the timing right. So mm -hmm. like if it happens too fast, too slow, it doesn't happen enough or large enough, or the move is underpriced compared to what people were expecting. Like the stock made a 10% move, but people thought it was going to make a 15% move and you still lost. So you got the move, right? You got a big move in the right direction, maybe in the right time period, but it, it just wasn't the magnitude that you needed. So do I think that there are strategies that do well in that? Am I looking forward to seeing what people share in the community and hmm. strategies that people use? And I can start to use if there are better people who've set up strategies than like what I trade. Like, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But it, to me, it probably won't be like a staple thing that I do. Yeah, interesting. So my perspective on buying options has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the buying out of the money calls, out of the money puts, I mean, you're just basically just throwing away money. I, the, when the probability is 85% against you, you know, that like that just doesn't make sense. And then when you hear the people, this is the how I blew up my account the first time, not the second time, but the first time was I bought boatloads of out of the money calls thinking stocks only go up. This is going to make so much money. And, yeah. You know, that's what a lot of um, the uh, how do you call it? Like the, the the Internet new trading gurus, right? The the TikTok investors and things like that, where, man, I just kind of went down a rabbit hole with that yesterday where it's like um, when a stock's going up. I buy it or I'll buy a boatload of out of the money calls and then I'll make more money. And it's, it's awesome. That easy. Yeah, it's, it's just, just easy. that easy. And when it goes down, I get out. I don't know right. why people make it so hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, for me, like I, if I am looking to go long a stock right now, I'm like, how can I get the most leverage for it? Mm -hmm. And like, let's say we're buying it on margin, right? Let's say, let's say I took a thousand dollars and I bought 10 shares of Apple at a hundred bucks each. And um, basically, I put $500 in margin to do that. I like that. That's good. But let's say we take that same approach and we buy a deep in the money call, 80-90 delta, the stock replacement strategy, as people would call it. And then you're getting, instead of uh, $500, it might cost you $250. And maybe your um, extrinsic value, maybe that's only like $0.25, cents, $0.30, cents, something like that. Um, that's where my head's been at lately. And I've been seeing a lot of really 
promising results from that. So I'm kind of interested to see how that would play out in uh, like a backtested scenario in a because uh, because where I came from with this is I was, I was running back tests and I would see like the, the the stock would perform really well in this particular back test. And I was like, all right, now let's apply leverage to that and see how it does. Lo and behold, it works. And I'm like, huh, I like this idea. Yeah. So that would be uh, something so I, I would be different... curious to see from other people on that. Yeah, that I mean, like I, so I like the concept of doing that. So when I was talking about buying options, I was. More out of the monies, of course. Like, yeah. Out of the monies, at the monies, yeah. close to the monies. The idea of using options as a stock replacement, right, for leverage and certainly for reduction in risk, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the stock just randomly overnight blows up, which is bound to happen and in many cases happens multiple times for a stock, then you're protected to the downside. And what you give up is you give up a little bit of that premium, right? Mm-hmm. That you're gonna, you know, slowly pay out in extrinsic value that wilts away. But I think that idea and that concept is really, really interesting. You can backtest a lot of those inside the platform anyway. Mm-hmm. You can trade those if you want to. Um, but I, I think that concept is cool. And I think, again, the more people that look at, okay, what is the alternative to stocks, right? 99% of the market of investors only has one opinion. And that is, I buy stocks when, they low, when they're low and I hopefully sell them when they're high. Yeah. <laughs> that is so narrowly focused for what you can possibly do. It's almost mind blowing to me at this point. But I think that that whole wave of people who are trying to look for alternative solutions like deep in the money options as a stock replacement or options or whatever is fascinating. I, th- I think the whole movement is fascinating. You know, you talk about the buy low, sell high. Um, it's funny. I, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Michael Covell and Dr. Alexander Elder. Michael Covell wrote Trend Following. Um, do, oh, you got it back there? Yep. Man, that's yep. one of my favorite trading books ever. It's a textbook. It's a massive one. It's but it reads book. so easy. It's a book. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, I just found out I had the 2004 version and uh, I didn't even know that he had written like a fifth iteration since then. And so it's supposed to arrive today, the new version. And it's like supposed to be twice as thick. So that's probably the one you were pointing at. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to get back into that again. But um, I don't remember where I was going with that. Either way. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the idea of, of applying the leverage when, when, when you've got back-tested uh, strategies in your favor, I think... Mm-hmm is very powerful, right? You have proven mathematically that your strategy is set up to work. And if you can apply more leverage to it, by all means, I think that's a very opportune place to be. But with the knowledge of if it doesn't work, you must cut your losses very quickly because that leverage works both directions, Kirk. I'm sure you've heard that. (laughs) Yes, yes. yes. I've been on both ends of leverage. Yes. For sure. Yeah, I think it's more, I mean, I think leverage is, or the way, that the, the way that I think about it is, yes, there's leverage, right? Like, and because I just trade options, like I'm aware of the leverage. I think what it comes down to and what I've learned and just going through tons of data and like seeing all the back tests that we run and the back tests that other people run is it does come down to like the sequencing risk that I talk about all the time, which is that even the best strategy, if it has the possibility to go through, say, uh, you know, a hundred losing trades in a row or 50 losing trades in a row. I just don't think that people take that into account, right? Like that's why I think backtesting is so important. Even if it's not going to be perfect, a perfect representation of the future, which it won't be just getting a f- like frame of reference to understand like how long the night is, you know, like mm, are yeah. your day drawdowns like 400 days? Because when people look at a strategy and they're like, this strategy, these are the ones I like on the internet too. So like when I go down my rabbit holes, like watching 
seeing what other people do, you'll see a, like an ad that says uh, this strategy performed, like made 3000%, right? But what they don't tell you is that for four years, you had a 90% drawdown, right? Like nobody in their right mind would go through that. So I think the sequencing risk of strategies and trying to understand that better, in addition to the leverage, I think makes the whole concept around trading and you know strategies and, and all that just a lot more interesting and definitely where people should focus their time. Where do you, what do you say to people who don't believe it, right? They're, they're of the mindset. They, you know, there, there's, there's a couple different mindset, I, I guess you could say, but like they, they don't have the growth mindset. They don't have the opportunistic mindset. Let's say, you know, anybody who teaches trading, anybody who does, you know, trading podcasts or whatever, they're all a scam. You know, there's a huge people amount of people about that. There's there's entire YouTube channels devoted to exposing fraudsters. And if they ever wanted to to come after me, I'll show them whatever. I mean, I got nothing to hide. I mean, I, I don't make 500 podcast episodes and have skeletons in my closet. At some point, they would have fallen out a couple of times. Right. But um, what do you, what do you think about that? The the people who just they don't they don't believe that that trading is possible. What do you say to those people? I would say look at the data. Like, so to take an objective look at data, right? There's a lot of resources that you can look at for data, but do your own analysis, right? That's like somebody originally saying like, well, the world is not round. Like, well, did you travel across the ocean, right? Like, did you get back to the other side? Because you're just making a guess and an assumption at what may or may not happen in the future, right? But I think that if you look at the data and then verify from like five or six different sources, take like a covered call strategy or an out of the money option strategy or option selling strategy. And you see that like four or five different sources have about the same data, about the same, you know, results or performance, or then you obviously have to believe through the data that it's at least possible to do, right? The challenge is, is that what they do is they look at a 10 year period and then they say, wait, 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 for the last two months, this has done really bad. Therefore it sucks, right? So like this strategy didn't catch this one little weird anomaly in the market, therefore right off the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what most people do. So that's okay. Like I'm super skeptical of a lot of option buying strategies, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to keep looking at them, trying to find something that works because I want it to work. Like I want one that I can use, that I can trade, that I can have a bot set up and like totally take care of. Well, I was about to say, bringing it back around to bots, if you find a back-tested strategy that like in your data works, and then you apply a bot to it, in theory, it should replicate those results because yep. you you remove the human element, which- You should do better. <clears throat> in least. many cases, you should do better because you have the ability to look with a little bit of hindsight, right? Like a little bit of hindsight, you can look at it and say, okay, how did this strategy perform in market drawdowns? Like you can look on the graph and be like, wow, it had two- massive drawdowns. So maybe I overlay a trend in it, you know, trend indicator. Maybe that keeps me out of those massive drawdowns, right? Like you have a little bit of that hindsight, you know, uh, like benefit, I guess, to make tweaks and adjustments to it. We still don't know what's going to happen in the future, of course, but yeah, like you should be in the same ballpark moving forward, especially if you don't have to deal with your own emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that at the end of the day, I think that anybody tr- truly, I think that anybody can be successful in trading, if they understand the risk and return that they're taking, yep, they're able to let, you know, old cliche, let your winner, winners run, but cut your losses really short, right? Yep. I mean, don't don't let the losses uh, work against you. And mathematically, 
over time, you should make more money. And, but I mean, it's not just, you know, throwing darts, right? You actually need to be smart. You need to have a system that's been mathematically proven to work. And if you can remove the emotionality, follow the plan, which is really where everyone goes wrong is they don't follow their own plans. That's why when I teach people, I call it their unbreakable trading plan. When you're making your trading plan, Kirk, this is unbreakable. You're not allowed. Like, like this is a marriage. You have married this trading plan. Don't think under any circumstance that you need to say, oh, I don't know. This is looking some, you know, good or bad. I'm going to, I'm going to move against my trading plan because that then invalidates the system that you just worked on improved because yep. you've, you've now thrown your own monkey wrench into it. So yep. I think that's where the one breakdown is and why people are skeptical is because they get sold the idea of, you know, an 86% win rate, but then they don't understand the, the emotionality in trading. And when I, when I tell people to trade or talk to people about trading, I say, the first thing I tell them is turn off your P&L. Do not look at the dollars um, because that, that messes with your mind more than anything. Percentage-wise, like you understand you're up, you understand you're down, whatever. But when you see, I just lost my rent today or <laughs> I just made as much as a, a used Honda Civic today, that messes with your head. Of course. But- yeah. Whenever you, whenever you follow your plan and understand it and you remove the PL and then look at it afterward to say, okay, this did this thing. And then reviewing your trades. I'm a huge believer in, um, if your trade did not work, why did it not work? And also one thing I started doing recently was, um, writing down why I exited trades and then reviewing those like, oh, I exited because, um, it broke this trend line or I exited because it, um, Let's say it, it, it had like an uh, 85 RSI. It just looked extremely overbought. Mathematically, like this doesn't make sense to me. Things like that. So I think having those historical data points and giving yourself a class of one, you know, back in reviewing your charts, reviewing your stocks, reviewing, seeing what you did and learning, right? Oh, here's where I was going. Okay, I, I remember now. So it's easy to see the buy low, sell high um, in the middle of the chart. Right. When you're looking at your screen, you're looking right in the middle. It's easy to see the buy low sell high points. But it's when you're at the far right, which is the the, the today point, that, that you don't know if it is going to be the yeah. buy low or, or sell high point. But yeah. it's only after that's moved to the middle when you can look back at your notes, which is what I was just talking about, and objectively say, Did I do the right thing here? What can I learn from that? I think is invaluable. I think that one step, instead of saying, ah, trading doesn't work. But actually saying, what did I do wrong? Where could I improve? Is the difference in somebody who wants to trade and the difference in a real trader. So there was a great story. I may have told this on here, but I think about it all the time. But it was um, <clears throat> Tommy Maddox, the pitcher for the Oakland A's, or, or not for Oakland A's, um, for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, do you remember that pitcher? No, like, no, no. I don't watch sports, man. The only sports I watch are stocks moving up and down. I don't, I don't. Either Maddox or not like it. Either Maddox or Tom Glavin. Uh, It was John Maddox or Tom Glavin. Anyways, the interviewer interviewed them after a game, right? And basically said like, hey, you just had this amazing game. Like, how do you feel, right? Pitcher, right? And the answer that he gave to the interviewer was basically like 72 of 78. And she was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, 72 times out of 78 times, I threw the ball exactly where I wanted to throw it and it came off my fingers exactly how I 
imagined and wanted it to come off my fingers, Mm -hmm. which is the perfect analogy for trading and investing because everything after the ball gets released is out of his control, right? So like as traders, as investors, the only thing we can do is focus on process and not outcome. Like Mm -hmm. outcome will take care of itself. But like if we have the process in place of making sure we're checking risk and position sizing and volatility or open interest, whatever it is for you, And then you can make your notes, right? And like document your process. Like, did I follow my process or did I break my process, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very easy right now. And I I would say that this is why everyone will start doing automated trading. It's the same reason why everyone does auto bill pay right now, right? Because it's so much easier to let that process be managed by something else Mm -hmm. so that you can focus on what that process is or what the strategy is. But when you get into the deep weeds of executing your own plan and your own trading strategy, you are naturally going to like shoot yourself in the foot with your own emotions, right? Because you're going to say this time is different or this is different or that's different, or maybe I should change this. Right. And now you're messing with the process, trying to object, trying to manipulate the outcome for that scenario. Right. Uh, And I think that's just really, really deadly. So. You know, Kirk, we we've covered a lot of topics and this is why I love the opportunity to talk with other traders because you know, trading can be really lonely, right? Just sitting here with my two monitors and, you know, a bookshelf <laughs> with a green sheet behind me. That's yeah. about it. Um, but being able to uh, to chat with other people, get other people's opinions and, and hear that, honestly, it's like Tony Robbins talks about, right? It's not that success is born with people, but you have to model other people and see where their success leaves clues. Mm-hmm. And that really will propel people forward. And that's why I'm so grateful that I have an audience and, and you as well, because, you know, Kirk also has a podcast, which we hadn't talked about yet. Sorry about that, Kirk. No, but Kirk, good. I mean, with uh, Option Alpha, you've been doing this for like a decade now, at least, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, make sure you go and check out the Option Alpha podcast um, hosted by our friend Kirk. But Kirk, where can people learn more about the bots and 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 all about what you're up to? Yeah, so you can go to beta.optionalpha.com right now, which is where the bots are. Uh, pretty soon, probably at the end of this month, we'll have everything recollapsed into the main site, but everything on the new bots in the beta program is at beta.optionalpha. Um, and I would encourage you to you know take a look and see what we're doing. I think we're doing some pretty pretty awesome stuff. The tech is literally industry first across mm-hmm. the board. We've got patent pending technology on the automation software, which is awesome and was a huge you know, milestone for us to cross. So we're really, really excited about it. Yeah. What platforms does this work with? Yeah. So right now we connect to TD Ameritrade. Um, so that's our main brokerage connection. We signed agreements to connect to TradeStation and Tradeair. And we're hopefully going to get some other brokers signed up pretty soon. Cool. Yeah. I know um, when I was talking to Saznoff a couple of weeks ago, he said that they're finally going to release the API for Tastyworks, which uh, that's where I've been trading. Yeah. 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 He said it was a big deal. A lot of people have been asking for it and that they're they're in the process of making the API available. So yeah. I know that's yeah, going to open to, up a lot of options traders too. Yeah. I've talked to Christy and their team and we're, we've sent documents back and forth and we just continue to send documents back and forth between legal teams. So I hope. It's not official yet. I hope, fingers crossed, that we'll have an announcement on, you know, connecting to Tastyworks. Um, I think it's going to be huge. I mean, like they they very much, you know, talk the same thing that we do. Mm-hmm. I think users are very interested in, you know, uh, very systematic trading approaches. And I think it's a great compliment to what they do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And Tastyworks is the platform that I use and that I recommend all the time. And the people there have been amazing. Um, I mean, 
like uh, Dr. Jim Schultz, he was actually my, my, my trainer for like personal trainer for like six months. And he and I text awesome. uh, pretty often. Yeah. I love the people that work there. They're, they're, they're really good people. And the fact that they like are so open is amazing. Like I feel I'm way more closed off than they are because like, honestly, like I, it, th- there's a lot of times where I'm just like, just leave me alone. I just want to be in my little bubble, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am so grateful that we are able to make the impact that we are and have the ability to, to network and help other people in this way and, and to share our messages out there and to share about these bots over at beta.optionalpha.com. Make sure I say that correctly. Yeah. Well, Kirk, this has been a real pleasure. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm going to go check out the, uh, the beta program right now. And um, hopefully it's uh, an easy, easy learning curve. You're, you're making it sound pretty easy. So I hope it is. And I encourage all the, the viewers and listeners to do the same or at beta.optionalpha.com. Sounds good, man. I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Kirk. It really is wonderful. And thank you guys for tuning into today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. I'll see you on the next episode. Okay. So what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're going to find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously, you are interested in learning and how to trade. And that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now, I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. <laughs> and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're going to get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit TimMinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.